0: Hi, we're Nicole, Camille, and Brianne, your instructors and hosts for the Support Night School podcast. We created this podcast to help people get into online customer support. In the last episode, we talked about common challenges in customer support, building community, and preventing burnout. Your homework was to join a support community or meetup and start talking to others in this space. We'd love to hear from you about how that's going. Were you really creative in finding a new community? Maybe one we haven't mentioned yet? What challenges came up for you? Head over to supportnightschool.com and leave a comment on this episode or drop us a note on our contact page. In today's episode, we're going to work on expanding your understanding of the support industry, defining and demystifying different terms and jargon that you're likely to hear. There's no shortage of acronyms and jargon, so we'll cover some of the most common here today and link to some robust glossaries in the show notes for when you're ready to dig in further. This is gonna be a very information heavy episode. So if you're a note taker, this is a good time to press pause and go grab a pen and a notepad. So let's get to it. The four themes we're gonna talk about today are organization and structure, the customer, the team and the queue, and metrics. Let's talk about organization and structure. So these are going to be some common terms that are used to describe the qualities and characteristics of different companies and organizations and the way in which they're structured. Some terms that you might hear come up a lot when you're looking into and learning about customer support, you might also see a lot about customer success. It can be very closely related, but they're different. So Brianne, can you help us understand what the difference between customer support and customer success is? Support
1: is a is a reactive process and success is a proactive process. So support you're solving, you know, discrete customer issues. It's very transactional. We'll talk a little bit more about metrics later, but it's about the quality and the speed. And it's also, I would consider it like an adult in the world of SaaS. Like it's a very established organization and process. For success, being proactive, you're helping your customers grow, right? Like it's an evergreen process where you need to teach them about product changes, feature changes, the customer's need to be successful. So it's about long-term retention and growth of those customers. And I would also say that that's a a toddler in the world of, of SaaS. And you'll often see that small companies may combine support and success, but they are very different disciplines, like Nicole mentioned. And they should still work very closely together so that the customers can get the best experience, but they are very, very different. So I just mentioned SaaS, uh, that software as a service. There are different types of SaaS models. You'll hear B2B and B2C. Uh, as a reminder, B2B means business to business. B2C means business to consumer. So for using um, e-commerce as an example, B2B would sell products or services that businesses would purchase. And B2C would sell products or services that consumers like you or I would purchase. And many companies that we know uh, do both. So if you think about Facebook or Google or Apple, they're providing products and services for both businesses and consumers. So it doesn't have to be just one. Companies can, can do both at the same time.
2: You may also often hear in your organization mention of the idea of segments, customer segments. If you are in the B2B space particularly, they'll talk about segments as relates to The size of an organization and that oftentimes correlates to what sort of support and success they receive. So who gives them support, how quickly they receive support, whether they have someone dedicated to them, whether they are their ticket gets prioritized higher or lower in the queue. So the common segments that will get referred to are startup or SMB that's usually a smaller company. And that usually comes with a lower priority, uh, lower expectations about the kind of service, the amount of coverage the customer teams will give them. Posited against sort of a startup or an SMB segment is enterprise. Those are big companies. If your organization is doing business with let's say a large telecom or with a large government entity or any sort of large corporation, usually that comes with, a lot of obligations in terms of the amount of people on your team that will be working with them and the speed at which you respond to them we will later on talk about the concept of an SLA and that oftentimes gets spoken about in relationship to the enterprise the way you provide support to customers the means by which they contact you is known as a channel there's several different channels that any given company and the company that you end up working for may use to connect with customers. The first and possibly most popular is email. So they write in to support at whatevercorp.com, and you respond back to them at their email address. Oftentimes those emails will go into another channel known as a ticketing system. Ticketing systems can allow people to email tickets in or Sometimes they require or offer the ability to log in and create a ticket there, which will present a customer with other fields that they can fill out, other information they can provide you. Popular ticketing systems include Zendesk and Help Scout. We've talked a little bit about that in previous episodes, if you've listened. Another means by which customers can contact you is chat. Oftentimes there'll be a chat widget on a website or within an app and you can drop a note to the company and either they'll have someone staffing that chat who can respond to you live, or that chat will turn into a ticket which someone will respond to uh, at a later date, hopefully rather soon. Social media is another way that customers oftentimes will take in feedback, sometimes whether they want to or not. If an angry customer tweets at you, it behooves you to respond to them uh, if you can, rather than waiting and seeing if they, create an email or log into your ticketing system. That said, the better ticketing systems will sometimes kind of suck in a tweet and allow that to turn into a conversation via ticketing system or via email. While it's less common with smaller startups, you can also offer offer support via phone. Customers can call into you. And then finally, We have the concept of a knowledge base, which is what we consider sort of a self-service channel. So those channels were email, ticketing system, chat, social,
0: phone, knowledge base. Self-service allows customers to access information and be able to solve their own problems and answer their own questions. You drive up to an ATM, you tell the machine what you're looking to do that day, and you get what you need, or, or make a deposit, and you're on your way, and you're not interacting with anybody. Same thing with self-checkout at grocery stores. That's another great example of you're doing the work yourself. And similarly, there are other folks who might not prefer that and prefer to talk to a human. And we see this, that same concept in online support. Typical resources for self-serve models would be some sort of customer-facing documentation. Like you mentioned, Camille, we have a knowledge base, referred to sometimes as a help center, where customers can find the answers to their questions. Communities can be another example of this, where users are helping other users, and it's reducing the amount of resources on the companies to to be responding to all of those. So self-service models obviously reduce the workload for the support team, which can be really helpful. It also allows them to focus on the more complex issues that can come up. So in a way, it helps your team remain lean. It means that you don't necessarily have to continue to hire linearly to always respond to the highest volume of questions that are often frequently asked questions. This is a huge benefit and resource saver for the support team itself. And again, oftentimes customers or users will prefer to be able to look up or have the option to look up information on their own uh, and not have to wait for a support agent to respond to them. A lot of companies have really great and impressive response times Camille, you mentioned chat, right? So that can be a really quick way to get an answer. But there are also a lot of organizations where their response time might be days or even weeks. So self-serve models can provide a lot of benefit. So let's start talking about some terms related to the customer. I think it makes sense to start with what's called the customer experience here. You also might hear user experience. And again, these things are very similar and related, but slightly different. The experience here is the interactions and experience that your buyer or user is having with your company, your product. Examples of this can be the response time after they reach out to you the ease of use of your product. The difference between customer experience and user experience, well, customer alludes to the fact that it's somebody that is paying for a product and buying something. User experience, it can be a user of a product that isn't necessarily paying for a product. So if I'm using, say, a mobile app that is free, I'm a user of that product, but I don't know that I'm a customer if I'm not providing any money. So we can put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and the user and actually gain a lot of clarity around what's going well and what can be improved. Just
2: on that note, Nicole, I recently was in a conversation on LinkedIn with a lot of people in the customer success space. In my career, I've gone back and forth with titles that either have customer experience or customer success in them and it becomes difficult sometimes to understand what's the difference. Someone described it sort of in this way in the thread. They were talking about how they might explain it to their proverbial grandma and they said customer experience is everything that happens from the minute you walk into a nice restaurant. The maitre d, the coat check, everyone like that. Customer success is really the waiter, that person, that wait staff that tends to you, that hops to it if the soup is too cold, that gives you recommendations about what wine would go well with that meal. So later on, if you forgot your jacket at that restaurant, it probably won't be the wait staff that picks up the phone and tells you we found it. It'll be someone in that customer experience. So that's the way to differentiate between success and experience. It may differ from company to company, but that's a good way to think of it.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing. I will probably or most definitely use that in the future to explain uh, to to folks. Thanks for sharing, Camille. So, Brianne, do you want to? tell us a little bit more about what a customer journey is?
1: I would love to. So the customer journey is is essentially what we were just talking about. It's that path of actions and interactions that a customer goes through with a product, a company, and or a service. Each stage of the customer's journey is generally defined in some way. So if you're familiar with software in any in any way you'll hear things like implementation or onboarding you'll hear things like adoption you'll hear things like growth renewal advocacy so the customer journey is typically broken down into stages like those common ones i just mentioned each stage allows you to really define the experience that you want a customer to have during that stage what do you want the outcome to be for the customer during that stage and then what you can do is there's this concept of journey mapping, right? So journey mapping allows you to look at, okay, now what is the customer actually going through? And what is this quote unquote happy path that we want the customer to go through? And you're essentially doing a gap analysis on those two things. You're identifying where are their gaps, where are their pain points for the customer and what can we do to fix those for them? Support and success and also product and the whole company should really care about the customer journey because removing those hurdles and those pain points makes a a product or a service, what we call sticky it, right? Like it allows the customer to just be in the, in the product or to be in the service and not have to worry about pains that they're going through in order to achieve something that they want to achieve. So for support, you might uh, bubble up information to to your uh, customers customer success manager and let them know that the customer is experiencing some issues uh, during that part of their journey you may also bubble up that feedback even further you know do some trend analysis and bubble that up to product so that you know product can look and say you know what there's this uh, weird area in the customer journey here it's causing a ton of tickets uh, let's go ahead and roll that into the roadmap and, and fix that and success, Every customer success manager worth their salt should want to know what the customer is experiencing at all of these stages in the journey because the customer success manager's ultimate goal is to make that customer successful and grow them with the company. The only way to do that is ensure they're having the best experience possible. So customer journey maps are just that opportunity for you to analyze where your customer is, where you want them to be. And then as a company, you decide what the experience is that you want those customers to have. You build a product roadmap, which is what product teams and engineering use to identify how they're going to make changes to the product. And all of that is just to make that ultimate customer experience that much better.
0: I have done quite a few customer journey mapping sessions with Brianne, and they're really fun. So if you ever have the opportunity to participate in them, or, you know, if you haven't seen a customer journey map at your organization and there isn't one, maybe you can suggest that you do one. Uh, They, they're a great, it's a great opportunity to get outside the queue, to work with your team, uh, to do a, a fun little exercise.
2: Key to doing a really great customer journey mapping exercise or understanding and improving the customer journey is a concept called empathy. And that's really the idea that you put yourself in someone else's shoes, that you feel their pain points, you understand their challenges, and can respond to them with that perspective. Another concept that I think is really closely related to empathy that I've tried to bring into my work uh, in the last years or so is the concept of compassion. And so that's not just about, I know, I get how this is, I've been there too, which can sometimes be a pity party together. There's a Buddhist scholar called uh, Roshi Joan, and she talks about this idea of compassion being empathy with action, and this idea that you either go into action or you make a conscious decision maybe to stay out of something in order uh, to help someone move forward. So I've been trying to do my customer care work with more compassion for people? You know, they paid for something. <laughs> they want it to work. They want to be the hero at work, maybe, for, by ways of your product or service.
0: So now we're going to talk a little bit about the team and the queue. The cue being the list of customer support requests that we have to work through wherever that may live, hopefully in some sort of help desk. So one thing that we wanna get used to in working in customer support is that you'll hear many different terms used to describe an individual who's performing customer support. Some common terms are agent, representative, you'll see customer hero, customer champion, even huggers. So just be aware that those these terms are out there. The job descriptions, you know, we we talked about this in earlier episodes, they may vary, but it could be the same job that's being performed. uh, But we're just using these terms, agent, representative, interchangeably. So let's talk about tiers of support. You'll probably at some point hear terms like Tier one support, tier two, tier three. What, what are we talking about here? These are frequently used in technical support environments, but not necessarily always. Essentially, it's a way to segment your team into different escalation paths. And the higher the tier, typically the more complex the issue if you're working in a technical support environment, you'll have tier one folks who are responding to perhaps more entry level questions or those that can be responded to really quickly, maybe within a couple minutes, maybe with a saved reply. And then you might run into, say, a bug or an issue that isn't documented yet and requires some research by a human. Uh, those might get escalated to tier two. Sometimes you have higher tiers as well. So in escalation, it happens anytime an individual, an agent, a representative has an issue or you know is handling an issue for a customer and they don't have the resources at their disposal in order to resolve that themselves. You escalate that higher to the next level to perhaps somebody more senior, maybe somebody who is it specializes in a particular product area. And you might also see customers request escalations because they are hoping for different answers from somebody with a different level of authority than you. Sometimes that might be warranted, sometimes it might not be. Uh, but but you'll see these things happen. So there are pros and cons to a tiered model, but it's a pretty common one and, and something that you should be familiar with. On the topic of specializations, another good term to be familiar with is subject matter experts, also referred to as SMEs. These are individuals that have a deep understanding of a particular process, product, function, or technology. They have a deep understanding in some area. They might be somebody that you escalate questions to, Uh, they could be on your support team, it could be a person and product, you can have an SME anywhere in your organization. This is a concept we'll come back to when we start thinking about career paths and, and growth, uh, how you might be able to become a subject matter expert yourself. So one uh, word phrase that you
1: might hear a lot in various contexts is, is ticket. It's also called a conversation, a request. It's the basic element of any customer care job. It could be an email ticket that someone sends into a help desk, right? We've talked about Send Desk before. We've helped, uh, talked about Help Scout before. They could be calls. The conversation could be a call. It could come into a phone line. It could be a chat like Camille mentioned earlier. Someone gets on their computer and messages in and that gets tagged as a conversation. Help desks call them something different, right? You may also have support leadership that prefers not to label them as as tickets, opting for something a little bit more humanizing, like the word conversations. But at its basic element, it is an interaction between customers and support teams. The customer is, is seeking a timely and satisfactory resolution to an issue or something that has come up that they need help with. That's one of the types of of customer conversations. Another is around product features and product feedback. So everyone knows the saying about opinions. Everyone's got one. I'm not gonna say the whole saying, but you get my point. It can be a touchy subject because When a product and engineering team is so proud of the product that they've built, getting feedback about it can be very tricky. But I'm of the mindset that customer feedback should always be welcomed, right? Whether it's talking about features that a customer might think is missing, whether it's something that they think should be designed differently. It really helps you identify trends of what your customer base expects from your product. Which then ultimately helps you and the company decide what the roadmap is going to include and what it will not. It may ultimately cost you some customers, but if you're doing it right, you may also win some customers that you might not have gotten before. Another type of customer conversation that may come up is around bugs. Not talking about ants or mosquitoes, talking about a software bug. It's an error or a fault in the program that was built that causes it to work in a way that was incorrect or people like to use the word unexpected, right? To be, it behaves in unintended ways. This can also be a point of contention around bugs because without solid documentation of how things are supposed to work, support and success jobs can be really difficult because it's easy to say, oh, that's just a bug, when in reality, it might just have been not thoroughly thought out or considered during the planning process. So I think those are some very, very common customer conversations, talking about tickets coming in, just general, it could be anything that they're talking about, product and feature requests and feedback, and then ultimately a bug that's perhaps stopping your customer from doing something that they need to do. And we'll talk about SLAs in a little bit under metrics, but one thing to be aware of is that a bug is actually something that can stop a B2B, a business-to-business customer, from being able to gather revenue. So that's a little primer for SLAs to come.
2: Engineers work in lots of different project management systems. Typical ones include JIRA, Trello, Asana, Clubhouse. And they track their work as different issues or tickets or stories. And within the course of a day, an engineer can only do so much. So those work products, stories, issues will collect, and they're known as a backlog. Sometimes you might even hear a term called an icebox, where there are issues that are on the backlog, but maybe even further out. How that relates to customer support work is really this concept of what's going to be tackled for a customer. Is it a bug or a feature that's been requested from a customer that's going to get tackled today? or is it something that's going to happen further in the future things that are going to happen further in the future tend to be in the backlog in support frequently we will get a lot of the same questions you may have an FAQ on your website that handles frequently asked questions but customers will if they don't find the information in the documentation reach out to the customer support desk for questions and As many support people know, you'll be like, oh, this one again, that one again. There are some things that are standard. Sometimes customers need security information and your team can get pretty tired of typing the same question over and over. You can start, of course, by sort of saving a reply that people can copy and paste and sort of personalize, but a lot of the support desk tools will also help you create that sort of saved reply, canned response. In Zendesk, it's called a macro and with a few clicks of a button a few clicks of your mouse you can have a response out to that customer you probably still don't want to use a totally cam thing you want to change out their name maybe add a few more details but a macro can save you a lot of time if you're
1: giving the same sort of answer to customers over and over yeah the one thing i would say about macros is reread everything when you're using a macro just be sure that you're going through before you click that send button And make sure you're calling the customer by the correct name. Make sure, this may go in the bloopers, but make sure that you're not apologizing for their incontinence instead of their inconvenience. Things like that that are, you know, small things but have big impacts. The fourth
2: theme is metrics. Organizations track metrics to answer the question, how are we as a company doing? As a team, you also want to know how's your team doing? Do we need to hire more people? Do I need to train someone up some more? Is someone ready for their next challenge? And also, as a manager or leader of a team, you want to look at the metrics to understand where your team can improve, where you might need to introduce some sort of training, and sometimes, unfortunately, when it might be time to transition someone out of the company. Many organizations have metrics dashboards. They'll talk about metrics either in terms of a kpi which is a key performance indicator or an okr which is objectives and key results there's also another concept of mbos management by objective but any way they describe it it's just a way of measuring whether everyone's on track time to close is a metric you will often see related to support desk tickets come in and Every good support desk wants to try and limit the amount of time that uh, an issue is open. So time to close, or TTC, will be tracked, oftentimes, to improve over time and get a better sense of how you are servicing your customers and how quickly
0: you can go from frustrated customer to hopefully happy customer. CSAT or a customer satisfaction score is another really common metric that you'll see tracked on almost any support team. When I talk about customer satisfaction scores with my clients, I like to explain how to approach thinking about them and that you really want to take it with a grain of salt. A CSAT score is what we typically refer to as a vanity metric What that means is it gives us some information, face value, but that there's a lot of context. You don't want that to be a key metric that you're tracking meticulously on its own. You want to vary the metrics that you're tracking and gain as much context as possible about your customer sentiment. Reasons that CSAT scores are not perfect, it's ambiguous and subjective a lot of emotion. Customer could be upset with the product itself and not necessarily the person that is on the other end helping them. There's a difference between the sentiment that a customer has towards the company, towards the product versus the support that they're receiving specifically, but those can get jumbled. And and it's not really clear always to the customer what exactly they're rating it can change from day to day and it's not a good indicator necessarily of what that long-term satisfaction with your company or product is.
2: CSAT is a time when they can just express general overall frustration if there's no other outlet for them. To the point Nicole made, it's important to look but not stare.
1: So there are some metrics that are associated with customer success that I would deem very important. Uh, two that are very closely related are churn and retention. And um, they're they're kind of inverses of, of each other. So churn is the rate at which customers stop doing business with the company. Retention, I would say, is the rate at which customers continue doing business with the company. So if someone churns, it means they're no longer a customer. If they are retained, they will continue being a customer. And you can look at them in different ways because you can, you can look at customer churn, like actual count of customers. So if you start the month at 100 uh, customers and you lose 10, right? That's an account of customer churn, but it doesn't account for the amount of money each customer brings in. So you can also look at revenue churn. Maybe those 10 customers equal a million dollars, but the ones that churned only equal, you know, a hundred thousand out of that million. You can have segmentation of those customers that helps you identify if the customer and the revenue churn is really, really bad or if it's not so bad. So if you have high churn in a priority segment, like an enterprise segment, that's that's bad, right? You don't want high churn in a segment like that. But if you have high churn in a low money, low revenue, no touch customer base, that's not nearly as bad. One thing to note is that small changes in churn and retention can lead to huge dips or huge growth in revenue down the line, and that's because of the concept of a customer lifetime value. So that's really the the total worth to a business of that customer over the whole period of their relationship with you. So if you retain The customer, the CLV, customer lifetime value, can increase, but it cannot do that if they churn out. Now, there are some customers that you want to break up with. We've talked about that in the past. Some customers that are not worth the revenue that they bring in. And those you don't mind leaving by the wayside because then you get to focus your energy on the customers who are going to continue to increase their customer lifetime value the longer they're retained. Company. Net Promoter Score (NPS) that's really the overall customer likelihood or the rating of their likelihood to recommend your company product service to. It's always a friend or colleague, which I think is is funny if it's a you know if it's a work related thing. It's like I'm not going to go and recommend a work related piece of software to a friend most likely. But it's the whole organization metric. It's not just for customer support. It's not just for customer success. It's all encompassing of your organization and the customer's sentiments toward the organization. Some companies act as if (laughs) NPS is like the end-all, be-all metric, but we've mentioned a little bit earlier, no one metric is that. They all work in concert to tell the story of the customer's experience. I think, Camille, you said earlier, look but don't stare. I really like that. And NPS is is no different. Each, each metric tells one piece of the story and all together they tell the full story of the customer's experience. Another term you might hear is ROI, return on investment. You might hear it in different contexts. So internally, support, customer support can be seen as a cost of doing business. And so ROI of, of support can be a contentious thing. I still think that Support needs to be well-funded because ultimately that contributes to the customer's overall sentiment of doing business with your company and with the product. And success is seen as the revenue generator, or at least it should be, right? Success is you're investing in those customer success managers because they are going to turn around and make your customers even more successful, spend more money with the company. Customer facing to kind of springboard off of the success description that I just said, it's a CSM, customer success manager's job, to continually show value in your product and your service to the customer right you want to get them when you get a new customer you want to get them to the place where they are seeing benefits from that investment that they made in purchasing your product or your your components whatever you're selling and it's also referred to as time to value you want your customer to experience a very short time to value so that their return on investment seems huge and and in other words you'll hear it referred to as the aha moment as well that is definitely something that makes an impact on a customer and it helps that customer be that internal champion to their company if they are a b2b business an sla is a service level agreement that defines the level of service that is offered or expected And it also encompasses how that service is measured and any penalties that a customer might be expected to receive if the service levels are not achieved. So often seen in enterprise agreements, right, this is the the easiest one. They want very quick and on-call type of customer support. They want, you know, time time to first response. They want it to be very quick. Time to close or resolve. They want it to be very quick. Because businesses rely on software that they purchase to make money, right? So if that software is unavailable in any way, even even service, they're losing money. So the SLAs help businesses protect against that. And then also internal SLAs. So you might have an agreement with your manager that you want your CSAT never to dip below 95%, right? And you know that every time a new person comes on board, as was mentioned earlier, that your CSAT dips to a certain percentage. So you may may create, you know, a a different type of SLA that's like when everyone is onboarded completely, we want CSAT at 95%. During onboarding times, we'll accept this particular CSAT. And that just helps you internally and externally set expectations with your managers, set expectations with your customers, and define what you're going to do if you miss those expectations or you, you know, somehow don't give the customer the service level that they expect.
2: The thing to keep in mind is that none of this is really an exact science. I recently went through an exercise with the head of finance in my organization to start thinking about how we wanted to hire next year. My initial knee jerk is like, I don't know. I don't know how many people we need to hire. Let's wait and see what happens. But in an organization, particularly a growing venture-funded organization where we only have a certain pool of money to spend, we need to try and provide predictability, both to leadership and also to our board. So I have some models that I like to use, maybe I'll, I'll link to some, although it's probably, I, I don't trouble yourself with that if you're, you're new to support, but I have some models that I like to use. Okay, we have this many support agents in Zendesk, we have this many responses we do per day, we have this many customers, and I just excel sheeted out and try and get some sense of where we might possibly be going. I always present this information to my manager and to everyone else in the organization as this is my best guess based on what's going on right now and ask them to take those numbers, not with a total grain of salt, but with the understanding that it's not a precise science. A lot of times you're dealing with people who want exact numbers for their own spreadsheet. And we can't always provide that. The CSAT is pretty, you can kind of hang your hat on that's what it is for the day. With of course, with the many of the caveats that Nicole mentioned, but metrics are don't tell the entire story of anything. We wanna make sure that we have visibility into them as they're important to the job that we do. But I think it's also important to trust your gut and about how you're doing and continue to have those conversations with your team and your manager so you know how you're doing don't just keep your eye on the number keep your eye on the work that you're doing keep your eye on the customers and the tangible feedback that you're getting and if your manager's not sharing this with you and you're curious about any of these i think it's totally fair to ask how are we doing on our organizational kpis how are we doing on csat It can be a little hidden in some of the software, so asking and getting a regular time to share that. I know I like to do that with my team if they're ever curious. I think it's totally fair to ask how how everything's going because it gives you a sense of the overall organizational
0: health. We can see now how some of these words or phrases that we covered today have different meanings depending on their context. Some examples are experience. Are we talking about customer experience, user experience, agent experience? When tasked with collecting metrics or having a discussion around some of these topics, it can be helpful to ask ourselves questions like, who's our audience? What problem are we trying to solve to help us stay focused? we have linked to some great resources in our show notes this week, including robust glossaries of additional support terms deeper dives into things like CSAT scores, customer support versus customer success, and more. Your homework this week is to review a glossary that we've linked to in our show notes and reach out to us if you have any questions. In the next episode, we're talking about growing your career and leveling up. We're sharing ideas and strategies to sharpen skills, specialize, and take on more or different responsibilities. I'm also excited to share that As we approach the end of our six-episode series, we're already planning a little bonus Q&A episode. There might be a good blooper reel to look forward to, just saying. Hopefully our conversations by now have stirred up some burning questions for you that we can help with. Again, you can head over to supportnightschool.com and leave a comment on this episode or drop us a note on our contact page to ask us your question. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Class is dismissed.